Section 15 of Guy Mannering. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Guy Mannering or The Astrologer by Sir Walter Scott. Volume 1. Chapter 12. Reputation. That's man's idol set up against god the maker of all laws who hath commanded us we should not kill and yet we say we must for reputation what honest man can either fear his own or else will hurt another's reputation fear to do base unworthy things is valour if they be done to us to suffer them is valour too ben jonson the colonel was walking pensively up and down the parlour when the officious landlady re-entered to take his commands having given them in the manner he thought would be most acceptable for the good of the house he begged to detain her for a moment i think he said madam if i understood the good people right mr bertram lost his son in his fifth year oh ay sir there's no doubt o that though there are many idle clashes about the way and manner for it's an old story now and everybody tells it as we were doing their own way by the ingleside but lost the bairn was in his fifth year as your honour says colonel and the news being rashly telled to the leddy then great with child cost her her life that same night and the laird never throve after that day but was just careless of everything though when his daughter miss lucy grew up she tried to keep order within doors but what could she do poor thing so now they're out of house and hold can you recollect madam about what time of the year the child was lost the landlady after a pause and some recollection answered she was positive it was about this season and added some local recollections that fixed the date in her memory as occurring about the beginning of november seventeen the stranger took two or three turns round the room in silence but signed to mrs mccandlish not to leave it did i rightly apprehend he said that the estate of ellangowan is in the market in the market it will be selled the morn to the highest bidder that's no the morn lord help me which is the sabbath but on monday the first free day and the furniture and stocking is to be wrapped at the same time on the ground it's the opinion of the hale country that the sale has been shamefully forced on at this time when there's so little money stirring in scotland with this weary american war that somebody may get the land a bargain deal be in them that i should say so the good lady's wrath rising at the supposed injustice and where will the sale take place on the premises as the advertisement says that's at the house of ellen gowan your honour as i understand it and who exhibits the title-deeds rent-roll and plan a very decent man sir 
the sheriff substitute of the county who has authority from the court of session he's in the town just now if your honour would like to see him and he can tell you mare about the loss of the bairn than anybody for the sheriff depute that's his principal like took much pains to come at the truth of that matter as i have heard and this gentleman's name is macmorland sir he's a man of character and well spoken of send my compliments colonel mannering's compliments to him and i would be glad he would do me the pleasure of supping with me and bring these papers with him and i beg good madame you will say nothing of this to any one else me sir ne'er a word shall i say i wish your honour a courtesy or any honourable gentleman that's fought for his country another courtesy had the land since the old family monquet a sigh rather than that wily scoundrel glossin that's risen on the ruin of the best friend he ever had and now i think on it i'll slip on my hood and pattens and gong to mr macmorlan myself he's at home even now it's hardly a step do so my good landlady and many thanks and bid my servant step here with my portfolio in the meantime in a minute or two colonel mannering was quietly seated with his writing materials before him we have the privilege of looking over his shoulder as he writes and we willingly communicate its substance to our readers the letter was addressed to arthur mervyn esq of mervyn hall lanbraithwaite westmoreland it contained some account of the writer's previous journey since parting with him and then proceeded as follows and now why will you still upbraid me with my melancholy mervyn do you think after the lapse of twenty-five years battles wounds imprisonment misfortunes of every description i can be still the same lively unbroken guy mannering who climbed skiddaw with you or shot grouse upon crossfell that you who have remained in the bosom of domestic happiness experience little change that your step is as light and your fancy as full of sunshine is a blessed effect of health and temperament cooperating with content and a smooth current down the course of life but my career has been one of difficulties and doubts and errors from my infancy i have been the sport of accident and though the wind has often borne me into harbour it has seldom been into that which the pilot destined let me recall to you but the task must be brief the odd and wayward fates of my youth and the misfortunes of my manhood the former you will say had nothing very appalling all was not for the best but all was tolerable my father the eldest son of an ancient but reduced family left me with little save the name of the head of the house to the protection of his more fortunate brothers they were so fond of me that they almost quarrelled about me my uncle the bishop would have had me in orders and offered me a living my uncle the merchant would have put me into a counting-house and proposed to give me a share in the thriving concern of mannering and marshall in lombard street 
so between these two stools or rather these two soft easy well-stuffed chairs of divinity and commerce my unfortunate person slipped down and pitched upon a dragoon saddle again the bishop wished me to marry the niece and heiress of the dean of lincoln and my uncle the alderman proposed to me the only daughter of old slowthorne the great wine merchant rich enough to play at spancounter with moidores and make thread-papers of bank-notes and somehow i slipped my neck out of both nooses and married poor poor sophia wellwood you will say my military career in india when i followed my regiment there should have given me some satisfaction and so it assuredly has you will remind me also that if i disappointed the hopes of my guardians i did not incur their displeasure that the bishop at his death bequeathed me his blessing his manuscript sermons and a curious portfolio containing the heads of eminent divines of the church of england and that my uncle sir paul mannering left me sole heir and executor to his large fortune yet this availeth me nothing i told you i had that upon my mind which i should carry to my grave with me a perpetual allose in the draught of existence i will tell you the cause more in detail than i had the heart to do while under your hospitable roof you will often hear it mentioned and perhaps with different and unfounded circumstances i will therefore speak it out and then let the event itself and the sentiments of melancholy with which it has impressed me never again be subject of discussion between us sophia as you well know followed me to india she was as innocent as gay but unfortunately for us both as gay as innocent my own manners were partly formed by studies i had forsaken and habits of seclusion not quite consistent with my situation as commandant of a regiment in a country where universal hospitality is offered and expected by every settler claiming the rank of a gentleman in a moment of peculiar pressure you know how hard we were sometimes run to obtain white faces to countenance our line of battle a young man named brown joined our regiment as a volunteer and finding the military duty more to his fancy than commerce in which he had been engaged remained with us as a cadet let me do my unhappy victim justice he behaved with such gallantry on every occasion that offered that the first vacant commission was considered as his due i was absent for some weeks upon a distant expedition when i returned i found this young fellow established quite as the friend of the house and habitual attendant of my wife and daughter it was an arrangement which displeased me in many particulars though no objection could be made to his manners or character yet i might have been reconciled to his familiarity in my family but for the suggestions of another if you read over what i never dare open the play of othello you will have some idea of what followed i mean of my motives my actions thank god were less reprehensible 
there was another cadet ambitious of the vacant situation he called my attention to what he led me to term coquetry between my wife and this young man sophia was virtuous but proud of her virtue and irritated by my jealousy she was so imprudent as to press and encourage an intimacy which she saw i disapproved and regarded with suspicion between brown and me there existed a sort of internal dislike he made an effort or two to overcome my prejudice but prepossessed as i was i placed them to a wrong motive feeling himself repulsed and with scorn he desisted and as he was without family and friends he was naturally more watchful of the deportment of one who had both it is odd with what torture i write this letter i feel inclined nevertheless to protract the operation just as if my doing so could put off the catastrophe which has so long embittered my life but it must be told and it shall be told briefly my wife though no longer young was still eminently handsome and let me say thus far in my own justification she was fond of being thought so i am repeating what i said before in a word of her virtue i never entertained a doubt but pushed by the artful suggestions of archer i thought she cared little for my peace of mind and that the young fellow brown paid his attentions in my despite and in defiance of me he perhaps considered me on his part as an oppressive aristocratic man who made my rank in society and in the army the means of galling those whom circumstances placed beneath me and if he discovered my silly jealousy he probably considered the fretting me in that sore point of my character as one means of avenging the petty indignities to which i had it in my power to subject him yet an acute friend of mine gave us a more harmless or at least a less offensive construction to his attentions which he conceived to be meant for my daughter julia though immediately addressed to propitiate the influence of her mother this could have been no very flattering or pleasing enterprise on the part of an obscure and nameless young man but i should not have been offended at this folly as i was at the higher degree of presumption i suspected offended however i was and in a mortal degree a very slight spark will kindle a flame where everything lies open to catch it i have absolutely forgot the proximate cause of quarrel but it was some trifle which occurred at the card-table which occasioned high words and a challenge we met in the morning beyond the walls and esplanade of the fortress which i then commanded on the frontiers of the settlement this was arranged for brown's safety had he escaped i almost wish he had though at my own expense but he fell by the first fire we strove to assist him but some of these ludies a species of native banditti who were always on the watch for prey poured in upon us archer and i gained our horses with difficulty and cut our way through them after a hard conflict 
in the course of which he received some desperate wounds to complete the misfortunes of this miserable day my wife who suspected the design with which i left the fortress had ordered her palaquin to follow me and was alarmed and almost made prisoner by another troop of these plunderers she was quickly released by a party of our cavalry but i cannot disguise from myself that the incidents of this fatal morning gave a severe shock to health already delicate the confession of archer who thought himself dying that he had invented some circumstances and for his purposes put the worst construction upon others and the full explanation and exchange of forgiveness with me which this produced could not check the progress of her disorder she died within about eight months after this incident bequeathing me only the girl of whom mrs mervyn is so good as to undertake the temporary charge julia was also extremely ill so much so that i was induced to throw up my command and return to europe where her native air time and the novelty of the scenes around her have contributed to dissipate her dejection and restore her health now that you know my story you will no longer ask me the reason of my melancholy but permit me to brood upon it as i may there is surely in the above narrative enough to embitter though not to poison the chalice which the fortune and fame you so often mention had prepared to regale my years of retirement i could add circumstances which our old tutor would have quoted as instances of day fatality you would laugh were i to mention such particulars especially as you know i put no faith in them yet since i have come to the very house from which i now write i have learned a singular coincidence which if i find it truly established by tolerable evidence will serve as hereafter for subject of curious discussion but i will spare you at present as i expect a person to speak about a purchase of property now open in this part of the country it is a place to which i have a foolish partiality and i hope my purchasing may be convenient to those who are parting with it as there is a plan for buying it under the value my respectful compliments to mrs mervyn and i will trust you though you boast to be so lively a young gentleman to kiss julia for me adieu dear mervyn thine ever guy mannering mr macmorlan now entered the room the well-known character of colonel mannering at once disposed this gentleman who was a man of intelligence and probity to be open and confidential he explained the advantages and disadvantages of the property it was settled he said the greater part of it at least upon heirs male and the purchaser would have the privilege of retaining in his hands a large proportion of the price in case of the reappearance within a certain limited term of the child who had disappeared to what purpose then force forward a sale said mannering macmorlan smiled ostensibly he answered to substitute the interest of money instead of the ill-paid and precarious rents of an unimproved estate but chiefly it was believed 
to suit the wishes and views of a certain intended purchaser who had become a principal creditor and forced himself into the management of the affairs by means best known to himself and who it was thought would find it very convenient to purchase the estate without paying down the price mannering consulted with mr macmorlan upon the steps for thwarting this unprincipled attempt they then conversed long on the singular disappearance of harry bertram upon his fifth birthday verifying thus the random prediction of mannering of which however it will readily be supposed he made no boast mr macmorlan was not himself in office when that incident took place but he was well acquainted with all the circumstances and promised that our hero should have them detailed by the sheriff depute himself if as he proposed he should become a settler in that part of scotland with this assurance they parted well satisfied with each other and with the evening's conference on the sunday following colonel mannering attended the parish church with great decorum none of the ellangowan family were present and it was understood that the old laird was rather worse than better jock jabos once more dispatched for him returned once more without his errand but on the following day miss bertram hoped he might be removed End of volume one chapter twelve